Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore Podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. As you know, each week we present a conversation in two halves, part one, the Framestore Podcast Dailies. Each week we invite a guest to our regular daily session, set questions designed to find out what makes our guests tick, what they do at Framestore, their career journey so far, and all manner of advice, tips, and tricks. For our second portion arriving later in the week, we hand the reins over to a guest co-host, a member of our Framestore community who stands to learn a lot from the experience, who engages our guests into a deeper dive conversation. Arguably a more technical discussion, depending on who we have on the pod. This week's special guests are Camilla Bianchi and Harrison Stark. Camilla is a technical animator based in London and Harrison, a Creature Effects TD based in Montreal. Both our guests form part of Framestore's new trainer network, launching this Thursday, the brainchild of global head of content and curriculum, Chris Williams, this week's guest co-host. This is another great discussion and an insight into artistic and technical training, how we learn, and more importantly, how you can get involved. So that's it from me. We hope you enjoy episode nine, part one of the Framestore podcast, our trainer network special. Welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode nine, part one. Each week, we invite both a guest or guests from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guests' craft, work, or career path, and we let the magic happen. We split each episode in two parts across the week. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guests to the Framestore podcast daily session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. On this week's episodes, we are celebrating the launch of Framestore's first global trainer network. And we're doing that by inviting special guests and early signups to the network, technical animator Camilla Bianchi and Creature FX technical director Harrison Stark to take on the dailies. Camilla has been with us since January last year, based in London, working with our awesome IA and immersive teams on some brilliant projects, including a virtual beer spot for Heineken Silver that you may have seen and a super NDA project that we're absolutely not allowed to talk about. Harrison, based in Montreal, has been with Framestore for nine years, having worked on some iconic Framestore shows such as Paddington, Fantastic Beasts and His Dark Materials. Joining us for this week's episode as co-host is the brains behind this initiative, Global Head of Content and Curriculum, Chris Williams, who joined us in his new role back in August last year. Formerly a Teesside and Bournemouth University academic, VFX and animation course lead and founder of Animex, the UK's largest animation and games festival, Chris is now charged with leading on technical production and artistic training at Framestore. Hello, Camilla Harrison and Chris. Welcome to the Framestore podcast. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having us. All good. Hello. It is absolutely my pleasure. And this is a first for the Framestore podcast because we have three of you on the pod one co-host, but two special guests. We normally reverse that. So uh, this is going to be certainly an experiment for the podcast, juggling two special guests with the same questions, but I couldn't think of a better pairing. Um, Big thank you to Chris for helping uh, 
sign you both up. So, uh, and it's great to be speaking to artists again. You know, we've just come off the back of our 2022 review with our, our senior leaders, which has been brilliant. Uh, but now we're back to our regular scheduled programming where we get to speak to our, our talent on the ground, getting the work done. So, uh, Chris, I want to start with you before we get into the the dailies, because obviously this was your idea, wasn't it, Chris, to uh, a obviously launch a trainer network, but also launch it via the podcast. So I'd love to start with that, actually. What what led you to you know, launch this network uh, in the first place? A number of things, actually. I think when I first joined the company, it's my first time actually working in a studio. I've been in, as you said, been in academia for around about 25 years. Prior to that, I did a year or two in the games industry and did a little bit of freelancing in London. So I had to really immerse myself in what it is Framestore does. We know bits in academia, but we don't know the nitty gritty. We don't know what's really involved. So I, I, I spent a lot of time talking to people and trying to figure out where I felt I could add some value. And, you know, after a lot of conversations with yourself and, and other members of the training team, the whole idea of building community is something which I think is a really positive thing to do. And the trainer network responds to a lot of the issues that I've been hearing from department heads. So one of the things that uh, I, I discussed with, with colleagues was the idea of utilising the people within the company and utilising their skills to start building our store of training materials, you know, I, I think there's an awful lot of expertise there. Well, I know there's an awful lot of expertise in Framestore and it'd be a real shame not to capture that expertise and enable all the other artists in the studio to benefit from it. So that's really where the trainer network idea was was born. And, you know, I got to know of, of a few people, including Harrison and Camilla from from other colleagues in conversations I was having about about the idea. And they suggested I speak to these guys and see if they'd be interested uh, as, as early adopters. Thankfully, they said yes, bought into the idea. And, you know, having talked to them both, I'm sure they're going to do a great job. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. And, and Camilla and Harrison, uh, we were having a little chat before we hit record, and it was quite nice to see your names pop up as special guests for this episode, because you're also both active global mentors as well. So this is a, an extra string to your bow. Um, how do you feel about taking on another another responsibility for you know, building that community that, that Chris has uh, spoken about? Um, well, yeah, no, I think this is a great opportunity and it's something that uh, I'm surprised we didn't actually start doing years ago uh, because exactly like Chris was saying, it's there's no better resource when you want to learn something or when you want to expand a skill set than the people around you. Uh, I know traditionally we've been able to do that within our own departments and things like that. Those are the people you work closely with every day. But there's so much talent across the company from different sites, different departments and everything like that. Being able to have a centralized, I guess, like repository of these skill sets for people that you can go to, it's, I'm thrilled to get involved in that. So Harrison, you talked about expanding skill sets, and that really is what building this community is all about. Because obviously we started with um, the mentoring program. This podcast is a big part of that as well, is, uh, you know, you know, raising awareness of people's experiences and perspectives and connecting us as a global community. So when obviously Chris and I spoke about this a while ago now, it just felt like that natural extension of that learning 
network, that frame store community that that we're uh, that we're looking to build. Um, so it's really encouraging to have you on board, um, Camilla. You know, what was what was your take when you were, were brought on board uh, as a as a potential trainer? You know, tell me a bit about um, what, why on earth you chose to step up to uh, to take on another another string to your bow. <laughs> yeah, no. To be honest, as someone that has been, you know, for a year now, a frame store, and when you start working from a company now and most of the people are remotely working still it's really hard to kind of build the environment where you know who to ask about things people at frame store are super friendly you can message people and they will answer and help you but i feel if i can help new starters as well in that sense of kind of showing a bit of the way uh and just just yeah, just making things a bit more easier, a bit more clear. When you join the company, you don't just don't feel like you need to absorb all these different aspects of working on a new environment. Yeah, that's great. And and uh, Chris, you alluded to this, and Harrison, you also alluded to this as well. It's almost this idea of a a repository for great content. I mean, I imagine you know people listening to this over time as we grow the network. If you wanted to learn Python or you wanted to learn Unreal or or any software or production or how to use Shotgun, is the plan to have a, a bank of trainers or willing trainers who are able to support those learnings, particularly from a, a new starter perspective that Camilla's touched on. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that we've got to be mindful of is that these guys are really busy. Um, you know, their day job means that they're on shows and they have deadlines. So we've got to be mindful of that. I think for me, in the first instance, it was about making contact with those people in the studio who were willing and able to get involved. Because we do get a lot of requests for training materials through our meetings with the HODs. And we have many of those every single week. And when we get those requests, we need to start looking for people who could potentially help us put some stuff together. So one of the drivers for this as well was me being able to find somebody quickly uh, so I could respond uh, in a speedy fashion to the requests that we get from the HODs rather than having to go fishing every single time we got a request. Uh, it just seemed to make sense to build that directory so that we had a really wide-based resource throughout the whole company that we could point to. And and people like Harrison and Camilla are really keen on doing this stuff. They're doing this stuff already in their own departments. You know, it's brilliant that, that they're uh, prepared to get involved in, you know, perhaps doing even more. And is the plan to, you know, as you have people volunteer to be part of the training or to be frame store trainers, is the plan to almost give them some badge or some kind of, or not new job title, but, you know, recognition of the fact that they're more than just an artist or a producer or a job title. They're also a their job title and a frame store trainer. Is there a plan to create that kind of badge of honor, so to speak? Absolutely. If I was looking at putting this into somebody's job description, for example, I'd say this was part of citizenship. This was something that you're doing to, you know, help the company. And I would see that as part of somebody's somebody's conversation when they're looking perhaps to uh, go for a promotion or talk about in their reviews. And it should be part of that conversation uh, because it's it's invaluable. This this you know, capturing their expertise is absolutely invaluable to the future of the company. All I can do is thank them for participating. And I can't wait to get started on getting some of this stuff built and, and allowing other people to benefit from their experience. Absolutely. Well, well, we'll talk a bit more as we go through the dailies and episode two or part two of this episode, where we can do a deeper dive around where people can sign up, how they can get involved, the whole call to action 
my final question though, Chris, before I do hand over to Camilla and Harrison and, and uh, open up the, the daily session is, you know, how many more people do you have signed up behind the scenes? You know, have you got a, 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 a weight of folk who are, are ready to train our, our good people at Framestore? I've probably got about half a dozen people. Their names came from recommendations from, from either supervisors or HODs. Uh, so yeah, about six people so far, uh, in addition to Camilla and Harrison. But, you know, obviously, hopefully that, that number is going to escalate fairly rapidly once we get the, uh, once we get the sign-up sheets out there after the, after the podcast. Excellent. Right. So uh, let's get into it. Right. That was brilliant. Thank you for entertaining all of those questions, Chris. It's a good to let people get a flavor of the, uh, the, the thinking behind the trainer network. Uh, and Camilla Harrison, how are you feeling about the Framestore dailies? Are you in the zone? Yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, right. I'm going to open the dailies. I'm going to cue the very dramatic sound effect. And the dailies are open. So the first question, Camilla and Harrison, is uh, who, where, what? Who are you, where are you, and what are you working on? Now, I've teased that out a little bit in the intro. I always answer the first question. I should change it. I should change the opener. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, Camilla. You know, tell us a bit about who you are, where you are, and what are you working on, if you were allowed to talk about it. Probably not, I imagine. Yeah, no, really. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, I'm Camila. I'm from Brazil, I'm from Sao Paulo, uh, biggest city in Brazil. And I'm technical animator at Framestore in the immersive team. I am in my house working from home, so just outside London. But I do like going to the office um, a couple of times a week. Yeah, and then I can't really talk about projects, but um, I'm focused on uh, Unreal Engine and how we can improve the use of Unreal in our projects. Great. Thank you, Camilla. And yeah, absolutely. The, the, definitely the answer I expected for sure that you can't talk about anything, but it uh, will get you on a future episode where we can uh, we can find out exactly what it was you were working on when you recorded this podcast. Um, quick question though, Camilla, for, for those listening who don't understand the world of animation, particularly technical animation, you know, what is the difference between being an animator at Framestore and being a technical animator? Could you kind of share a bit about what your role in, entails? It's still not very clear if I'm really honest. But even even for people that are technical animators, I think we just don't really know what we are. So then we just created this term that is a bit generic. So basically it comes from more from being a rigger in the traditional pipeline. But when you bring that to Unreal, you don't really call a rigger in Unreal. You call more of a technical animator. So you're giving support and the tools, the technical aspects of the animation so the animation can be played in Unreal. That's where this comes from, but it's still very new term, I think. Well, that's that's really clear, actually. Not the enigma that I was expecting. So that's uh, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Camilla. So how about you, Harrison? How would you answer that uh, question? Who, where, what? Tell us. Uh, well, as you said, my name is Harrison Stark, and I'm based in Montreal, uh, but I'm from the U.S. originally. Um, and I guess the last project that I guess I could talk about or like the last one that was actually released uh, was gosh almost two years ago now it was Army of the Dead uh, where we were doing like the zombie tiger thing so that was a really fun project but yeah no I've been on some stuff for the last couple of years now that still has not actually come out so so I'm waiting for those. (laughs) 
Right. I think I think it's going to be a rule for all of these podcasts that there has to be a part two. Yeah. Because I'm dying to hear what you're actually working on and share it with the world. Podcast revisited. <laughs> that Army of the Dead Tiger was mega. I mean, I'm a big zombie movie fan, so uh, I was uh, first in line in the Netflix streaming queue to watch that. <laughs> it was an incredible piece of work. Really, really cool. Oh, yeah. And it was just a blast of a movie. I mean, Ocean's Eleven with zombies. How... How, how can you go wrong with that? Heist movies and zombie movies, why not put them together? It's a marriage made in heaven. And, and question to both of you, you know, in terms of tenure, because what's quite interesting about having you both, and you, you, like I say, you're talking about a match made in heaven, you both are the perfect kind of match for this, this podcast, because Camilla's been here just over a year and a little bit. Harrison, you've been here kind of nine years. I've just answered the question. But also the... Um, uh, you know, the fact that you're both in different parts of the business, I think this is great. But, you know, in terms of tenure, I mean, I've said just over one and a half years and nine years. I'm assuming that's correct. Again, I, I've just gone off LinkedIn, but I'm sure you, you, you can put me out of my misery and uh, answer the question from the horse's mouth. Harrison, did you, how, how long have you actually been with Framestore? Uh, yeah, no, you're exactly right. Just coming up on nine years. Uh, it's funny because I originally came here and like a six month gig sort of thing and then just never left. Excellent. Maybe you shouldn't tell people. Maybe people. <laughs> it's usually the way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're the best kept secret. Yeah, people don't know you're still in the building. I'm sure they do. But yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe someday they'll actually start paying me. That's why we put this podcast out. Share these stories. If yeah. you're listening, please pay Harrison. We'll start a campaign now. But yeah, actually, so yeah, it's so quite interesting. How did you get? Uh, how did you find out about the role? Actually, I'm quite interested. We're going to talk about Big Break in a minute, and industry wise. But in terms of finding out about the Frame Store, or how did you get that original stint at Frame Store, Harrison? Um, well, before coming here, I was working in Los Angeles, actually, and I had finished up a job there and I was just kind of bumming around doing short term, like commercial work, you know, a couple of weeks here, a month here at different studios. I decided that was definitely not the appealing to me. I never really liked trying to see, you know, a couple of weeks down the road where the next job was going to be. Uh, and so I just sent out a blast of applications and stuff like that at various studios and Framestore popped up and it was for the, the first Paddington oh, movie. Oh, great. Wow. What a way in. Uh, so I moved here for that and never looked back. Brilliant. What a lovely story. So you were kind of like bumming around like the littlest hobo and then <laughs> arrived at Framestore, found a home at exactly. Framestore. Exactly. It's quite a, a romantic story, Harrison. That's a lo lo lovely break. I was my own little Paddington. Framestore, uh, Framestore took me in and took care of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Symbolic. Symbolic. Brilliant. Thank you, Harrison. A, a great story. So how about you, Camilla? You know, tell us a bit about your journey to Framestore. How did you uh, find out about the role you're now in? Yeah, it's not as exciting, I think. I really <laughs> found the job online and I, I, yeah, initially I had just a more of like chat and conversation to, you know, the head of the team. It was, uh, I was coming from games. So yeah, it was, for me, it was understanding a little bit more of what frame store, what stage frame store was on, in using Unreal and all this technology. Yeah, and then I think it, it, it was like, maybe two or three months of like back and forth conversations. And then when we finally kind of settle into, into the position. Well, I'm so, super excited to get both of your perspectives, completely different backgrounds, different roles, different disciplines, different, different entry points into, uh, into Framestore. So the next question on the dailies is, and I'm going to loop you in on some of these as well, Chris, I'm just cherry picking because we only have the unwritten law of podcasts. We can't go over an hour. I'll start with you, Camilla. You know, what would you consider to be your break in the VFX industry? I mean, it might have been the role at Framestore, it might not have. But what, do you, what was the moment for you? 
Yeah, so funny enough, I have a previous career in marketing. So I graduated in advertisement and I worked in marketing uh, for 10 years. I always loved animation. Really early in my career, I realized that marketing wasn't going to fulfill me. I started kind of studying some schools in still in Brazil. I just noticed that to do when you are like so further in your career path, to kind of take a step back is really hard. I decided I, w I had to do something a bit more drastic to kind of not look back. <laughs> and then, so I moved to the UK and I did a master at Bournemouth University uh, in 3D animation. And then after the master, then I got a job at uh, my previous company in game studios. Yes, it was from that really, it was from this first job in games. I stayed there for three years and then I came to Framestore after that. Amazing. Chris, did you know that Camilla studied at Bournemouth, your old stomping ground? Do you know what? I didn't. Is that really bad? Terrible. You were course lead <laughs> and everything. You should know your students. Yeah, no, but I don't remember him as well, so I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, th the thing was, that I was the head of department there, so I, I had very little... He was in the staff room, like, having a yeah, yeah. coffee. <laughs> very little interaction with students, if I'm completely honest, and particularly on the... If you did the MA, you'll remember Saf. Yes. And Adam. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those guys were, had a very firm hand on the tiller of the MA. What a, what a great story, Camilla. And I'm always intrigued by uh, career changes and actually having the confidence, like you say, you get so caught up in your bubble of your career and your career path and what you're supposed to be doing or what the world tells you to do. And actually to take stock of that and completely switch. I mean, to go from kind of a marketing role to being essentially a unreal expert and technical animator, I think is a huge switch. I mean, how did you find that transition moving from a job that, as you say, wasn't fulfilling you to a role that, you know, is completely different? Well, as soon as I started the master, I knew that was I was doing the right thing because when you're just in the same environment of people that, you know, are like kind of have the same creative mind as you. And I just knew that was like, right. It was just a matter of like building a career again. And I felt that it was actually much easier than I expected because many of, of your qualities are very like transferable, you know, the social skills of communicating, knowing how to present your work, knowing how to understand, you know, a project, a timeline, a client, all these aspects that I had in marketing, I could then benefit from that in my new career. And really early on, I got like a really good feedback from my lead saying that, I, you know, I wasn't like the normal junior that you expect that comes out of university. Because, of course, I wasn't really a junior. I had a previous career. My title was junior because I was starting on this one. Brilliant. What a great answer and a great, and a great story. I mean, I think uh, anybody listening to this, uh, either within Framestore or externally, I mean, this is great career advice. The idea that, you know, about transferable skills. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast, actually, is around you know, our roles, I mean, um, there's a, a, the next episode, actually, which I don't want to give away. But um, we talk a lot about, you know, being in the people business, VFX is the people business, it's all about communication, it's all about conversations, client relationships. And actually, you would have done that in marketing, as well as in your current role. So I think that's a, that's a really, really nice way to cut it, Camilla. Thank you. How about you, Harrison? What would be what, would, what was the moment for you when you got your break in industry? Going back a little bit, when I was in university, I actually started out in audio production. I had always wanted to be like a music recording engineer, that sort of thing. But I took a random elective course in 
it was like the history of digital media or something like that. And it was basically just watching like how they did Jurassic Park and Terminator 2 and stuff like that. And I was just immediately hooked. I was like the next day switched my major to what was called digital media. But the thing was, it was a brand new course. There were only a couple of things that you could take with it. And it didn't prepare me at all to really enter any sort of industry. So to sort of delay my entry into dealing with reality. Uh, I ended up going to grad school to get my master's of fine art. Uh, and part of the reason for that was because one day I always had sort of in the back of my mind that I wanted to teach. Uh, and that was a big thing to be able to contribute to that ability. Um, but my first actual job after that was at Fisher Price, uh, the toy company. We were doing, I was on a small team where we were making little animated shorts uh, that they would package with some of the toys. Really, really, really terrible things. My first claim to fame was on a product line called the Doodle Bears. And so if you ever search that on YouTube, that was my, that was my first big break. But really after doing that for a year, I got a call from Rhythm and Hughes in LA in their tech anim department. Uh, which was basically what they called creature effects there. And so then I jumped on that opportunity. And that's when I really sort of got like the break into the the VFX industry proper. Yeah, and, and definitely the creature work. So we've got the Doodle Bears to, to thank for your your roots into uh, to creature work. Yeah, from Doodle Bears to Life of Pi. <laughs> to actual to actual bears. And, exactly, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. I love that. And uh, I know I'll be uh, YouTubing after this uh, this podcast recording is done. So thank <laughs> you for that. Yeah, well, that's definitely the commute sorted, at least. Anyway, so moving on into the next question on the dailies, folks, is uh, what's the best thing about being part of Framestore? Arguably, and I caveat this with, it is a bit of a cheesy question, I get it, but I've got to ask it, you know, what is the best uh, best thing? And I'm going to be coming to you, Chris, as well, but I'm going to start with uh, with Harrison, actually. What's, uh, what is it you, what's kept you here for nine years, Harrison? Well, so at the risk of sounding like I've, you know, drunk the, the frame store Kool-Aid, I really feel like they take care of you here. Last year or like a year and a half ago, I was feeling super burned out and stuff like that. So I actually went on burnout leave for a couple of months. And the entire time, you know, Framestore is super supportive. My HOD, my department manager, the production that I was, I was on, there was never any sorts of pressure or feeling of guilt or anything like that. They're like, take care of yourself. It was the same thing a year or two before that when I uh, had a kid and went on parental leave. They were like, okay, awesome. Do what you need to do. We're here. Come back when it's, you know, when it's good. I've never felt anything but support from Framestore. And that's something that it just seems like you don't get at a lot of places. Yeah, particularly, I mean, yes, yeah, always I hear you went, you went through a period of burnout, Harrison. Um, but that is uh, that's so important, isn't it? Because I've heard stories from another podcast that I host, which I, I'm not going to plug it here. Um, but we talk about, uh, about, there's a creative coach that I spoke to. I used to work at Framestore, actually, talked about coaching a lot of people who did burn out, but they didn't have that support. And they almost left industry as a result. So they would burn out and then phew, that's it, game over, I'm out. So to have that pastoral support is so important. Yeah, I think it's not at all an uncommon thing. And the fact that Framestore can support you with that, I think is a reason why people tend to stick around here a long time. 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah, um, how old's your little one? How old's your, your kid since uh, that period of leave? Almost four. Oh, nice, nice. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I might plug the uh, the parental mentoring that's uh, that's coming soon uh, to a, uh, a global mentoring platform near you. But uh, that's not that's not the podcast. We're not pushing that today. But uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Harrison. I appreciate you sharing that that story as well. How about you, Camilla? What's uh, what's the big self frame store for you? What do you enjoy about being part of this community? Yeah, I think people here are great and I've heard other podcasts that's kind of most of the people answer (laughs) is about the people. And it really is like from day one, I felt that. But also for me, what was attractive was kind of the global power of like being a frame store and what that means in terms of what clients you get and the exposure of your work. Uh, You know, so in, in my first work here was a Heineken campaign that was then show at like Piccadilly Circles, the big screen. So for me, as coming from a marketing background, I remember studying about the screen at university as like, you know, Times Square, Piccadilly Circles. And then suddenly having your work being shown that that's like really amazing. So yeah, that's, it's, it's a really like global influence that Framestore has. Yeah, there's something that may, I mean, it must be incredible seeing your work up on either a big screen, like you say, a Piccadilly Circus or a Times Square or a cinema screen or t- TV, whatever, any screen, really. Seeing your work up there must be super thrilling. Both really great examples. What about you, Chris? You know, you've been here, what, best part of six months. What's, uh, what, do you, what do you enjoy about being part of the Framestore community? I, much the same, actually. I, I echo what the guys have said, although I'm not involved in production directly. You know, like you, Sam, we live vicariously through their their talent. Um, and, you know, we get to say to our mates that we've been involved in a small way in helping get this stuff onto the screen. And it, I guess it's an extension for me. It's an extension of uh, my, my previous roles in universities, working with people to, to support them be as good as they can. You know, one thing I, I talked about after three months, I put a post on LinkedIn. I'm not a prolific LinkedIn poster, but I felt compelled to write on there about my first three months and how brilliant the people are in the company and, and, and how all of these guys just want to create great images. It's just wonderful to be involved in that kind of process with those kinds of people. It's very much what I've grown up with through university, through school as well, actually, is being creative and working with creative people. And it's just, you know, it's fantastic to be involved in that. Brilliant. There's three brilliant answers there for sure, which will add to the canon of brilliant answers we've had throughout these podcasts. So, uh, yes, thank you very much, folks. So we're going to move into the next uh, question, which is a little personal favorite question of mine, which is the common myth question. Uh, So I'll start with uh, Camilla. What is a common myth about your job, role or field of expertise? What do people get wrong? Well, as someone that works in Unreal, I think everyone assumes that we're completely like game geeks and we just like finish our job and we go straight to like video games and just play. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, I admit some people are like that, but I think most of the people when we finish work, actually, we don't want to be looking at screens. We need some time off the screen light. And yeah, I think that's that's myth. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. And again, I don't want to give away any of our future episodes, but one of our global hods said exactly the same thing. What do you do to kind of switch off? And it's like anything that isn't a screen anything yeah (laughs) Uh, i love that what about you harrison what's the common myth about your role uh i think the common myth about creature effects or not even necessarily a myth but just 
not entirely knowing what all it is that we do. I had never even heard of it before my very first job doing it. It's it's one of those things where creature effects used to be something maybe 10, 15 years ago that was just like the cherry on top, you know, for like a really superhero or realistic sort of asset. Uh, but now it's on absolutely everything. It's just part of the integral parts of doing any sort of asset. And it's not even just creatures or characters. It's stuff like we have to do a pirate ship on a project. Well, we do creature effects on all the sails and all the ropes and everything like that. Or there's an environment with flags or stuff in the background. And so it's like there's there's no aspect of really any asset that doesn't have to go through CFX at some point, or even the invisible stuff. Like there was a recent uh, show where a character was, a filmed character was wearing a coat, but they didn't like the performance that the coat had. So we ended up having to replace it in CG. So we had to do the CFX on her coat. Uh, and then, of course, Comp had the the unenviable task of taking that and reintegrating it into the plate and stuff like that. So it's just every new show or every new asset. There's always something that comes up, like, oh, well, we didn't we didn't really think about how we have to do this uh, creature effects. We can we can have them do that. And so it's just we're always trying to think of new ways of doing stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I yeah, you would assume that when you think about creature effects, you just think about creatures. You just think about the, and the big like uh, big ticket creatures, like we said earlier, your Paddingtons, your uh, Rocket Raccoons, all the stuff that's on all the reels. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. You think about a fur coat or a, a flag or a pirate ship. I mean, that's a that's a great insight. Actually, I'm sure people will appreciate. Um, what about lessons learned then, both of you? What's uh, the most important lesson you've learned over your career? Um, again, we'll go to Harrison for this one you know, in the last nine years. Oh, oh, your whole career, really. I mean, not just at Framestore. And I think the biggest thing, lesson that I've learned and something that I'm actually still working on and I think will be forever working on is that what we're doing is not necessarily as important as it may seem in the moment. We tend to, and this is from top to bottom, from VFX soup to the most junior artist, I feel like we tend to get so wrapped up and invested in what we're doing, it takes the enjoyment out of it sometime. So I think it's just really important that we remember, I mean, we're making movies, it's just cool. We're really <laughs> lucky to be able to do this stuff. Just not get overwhelmed with it and take a step back sometimes and be like, it's okay, you know, we're not gonna have this shot done by this Friday. It's okay. No, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think Lucy Killick's episode that, that, that launched a few weeks ago, she talked, I mean, you, a lot of people use the term, uh, we're not save, we're not saving lives. But uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, people do, yeah, it becomes kind of, you know, fairly kind of life and death sometimes, I imagine, right? Brilliant. Now, thank you for your, your candor there, Harrison. What about you, Camilla? What's, uh, what's the most important lesson you've learned over your career? Well, yeah, it's ironic, but it happened now in this podcast. But I was going to say they like, we live in a small world and <laughs> you always come across people you've worked before. So always, always, always be nice because you never know, you know, if you have a conflict, you have a problem, an issue, don't make that as a big thing and just don't be annoying because you never know 
what that person will become in the future and you'll have to work together. And, you know, even people from Brazil now, I come across, uh, you know, my teachers in Brazil that teach me modeling 3D now works in a game studio in here. Like, you know, it's, it's so crazy. And yeah, now we're Chris, you know, both from Bournemouth. So yeah, just be nice. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It is It is absolutely not a cliche, is it? The uh, work hard and be nice to people. Because, I mean, I've been in the industry a little while now and I'm seeing people running, like to your point, Camilla, running studios, you know, and age doesn't matter anymore. You know, your mentor, I mean, you'll know through the mentoring program, your mentor doesn't have to be older than you. You can have somebody who's been in a, a role for 20 years. That doesn't mean 20 years experience. I mean, if you're just doing the same thing every year, then arguably it's not 20 years experience. It's just you know, incremental years of doing the same thing. So again, it's a, it's a, it's a great lesson, a great lesson. And something that has, has definitely come up on the podcast is uh, just be a pleasant human being to work with, right? Work hard and be nice to people for sure. Chris, any any take on that? I don't want to leave you out. I'm very aware you're, you're sitting there listening to all these words of wisdom, talking about kind of mentoring and different perspectives, but anything you wanted to throw in there around important lessons you've learned? Again, during my time in academia, I, I spoke to recruiters a heck of a lot, including the recruiters here at Framestore, who I know very well. And and that that whole thing around just being a nice person is something I was told all of the time. You know, one of the things the recruiters look for is whether people can fit into teams. You know, your, your showreel as a student demonstrates whether you can do something. But the really important thing is whether you can actually fit into a team without creating any problems um, and, and work in a way that's going to be productive and not upset what's already a great environment. Yeah, I, I always used to say to my students, be prepared to pass the air hole test or leave your ego at the door. You know, just, just kind of remember where you're going. Um, you're going into work with people who, you know, in many cases, as Camilla said, you might have met previously, you might be in a position where one day somebody who you're at college with might be opposite you on an interview. So be nice. Just remember that it's a small world, particularly this one where, you know, we all know each other. Particularly this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Chris. So we're moving into, we talked, we've touched on mentoring a little bit in this uh, this podcast episode. So this is the mentoring question. Who has been your most important professional mentor? So I'm going to ask Camilla to kick this off. Who for you stands out as a, a, a big, important name for you? Or names, you can name check a few folks. Yeah, it's really hard to yeah name specific people. But I would say I always learned a lot from my leads and the senior people that work with me in teams uh, for like different reasons. But yeah, and that's I think that's why I enjoy this thing of mentoring and trying to share because throughout, throughout my career, I had so many nice people above me in the levels and they were like very patient to teach me most of the things I know now so definitely the senior team uh, yeah that works with me that's great and I love your diplomacy you're not mentioning one name it's okay it's the whole team (laughs) we're being very very diplomatic um, and that's absolutely fair so I won't put any undue pressure on you Camilla to 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 laser focus on one one hero but uh, yeah yeah big up the senior team for sure uh, thank you, Camilla. I think that point around patience and, you know, we talked about pastoral support, particularly in those early days, I, get, I imagine would have been invaluable for your, your entry into this uh, world of being a technical animator, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what about you, Harrison? Who would you cite as your most important professional mentor? 
Um, I think I need to go back to actually when I was in grad school, where it was one of my professors who I was a teaching assistant for, and it was just how seeing how she would interact with students and things like that. I think I learned the valuable lesson of always being available for people, always being really approachable. It's kind of how you can actually have like the biggest impact on other people is just making it so there's no barrier to people coming to ask you for help or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that almost sits nicely with the the lessons learned question as well, Harrison, isn't it? It's around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, leadership's interesting, isn't it? Or whether you talk about leadership or you're talking about a, a, a college situation or a tutor or a manager or anybody we've worked with that has any form of responsibility is, you know, if, if they kind of rule with an iron fist, then you just have a whole team who suffer in silence or students or, or whatever kind of the guys we're talking about. And that is so unproductive and so unhealthy when people can't just go, hey, I need help. Or, you know, there's something really powerful, super powerful in asking questions and being curious and admitting you don't know everything. You know, that's almost more powerful than being the person who knows everything, you know, because that's the the journey of, of life and work and yeah and, and mastery or whatever you want to call it so i think both both really great examples i love that you've got kind of the senior team support from camilla and actually going back way back in time um your formative years there harrison with your with, with, with that, that that tutor so uh, yeah brilliant love it uh, excellent examples so we're getting into kind of the last set of questions uh, as we start to wrap up the frame store dailies and um this is another little favorite question of mine. I'm always interested to see what people come up with here is the, the question around underrated tools. So what underrated tools are indispensable for your job? And I'm going to start with Harrison. Uh, for us, I would say reference. Uh, there's nothing that we can do, say, starting to work on a creature or something like that for a tiger. We can't even dream of making a good, realistic-looking tiger until we find reference of tigers. And there's thousands of hours of video and stuff out there uh, to be able to use anatomy reference and everything like that. Uh, And it's something that's really easy for us to overlook where we just want to dive in and start doing the work on it. But uh, we need to have that reference to be able to know what we need to make it look like. How does reference work? This is this is me full kind of like layman ignorance is bliss. But when you're kind of developing a character that doesn't exist in the real world, so it isn't a tiger or isn't a giraffe or isn't a lion, you know, how do you go about that if it is a completely gonzo kind of Guardians of the Galaxy style alien creature? You know, how do you what's the approach? No, that's a good question. We'll probably try to find some sort of analog of some similar type of thing that actually exists or an amalgamation of different things like, oh, this is half bird, half lion or something like that. So we'll be finding references of all of these different types of things. And oftentimes there will be already ideas provided by the client or from the viz dev department as they're doing the the concept art and things like that. Usually there'll be a pretty good idea by the time we're joining a show of what type of creature they want it to be like. And so we can just find reference for birds or or lions or or whatever it is that most closely matches this type of thing. Yeah, that's great. And I imagine I should have, I should have referenced uh, Fantastic Beasts because there's some random old, things in that in that in that show yeah no exactly with like niffler it was sort of half half platypus half uh 
the feathers were based on crow feathers, I think it was. So there's always some sort of thing that they use in reality to, to ground what they want it to actually look like. Brilliant, brilliant. A great, a great answer. Um, how about you, Camilla? What What's indispensable for you that is considered underrated? Yeah, so <laughs> I... I thought about that and yeah when I started in this industry I thought that everyone everyone knew everything but actually we at least for me I google things all the time and you do watch tutorials you do watch you know GDC talks and it's really googling and seeing what's out there we don't have all the solutions like built and done and we do have to search and see what people are posting about, what people are creating. That gives you an insight and then you build the thing yourself. So Google is your friend. Yeah, 100%. You know what? I mean, I wouldn't have, developing this podcast, I've done it all through Google. I've never edited or I've recorded stuff, but I've always let other people do all the editing and production. And I completely taught myself how to do all of this just by Google searches. So it is... Uh, Where's it been all my life? I should have looked at this a lot, a lot, a lot longer ago. Brilliant. So we've got we've got reference and Google, two brilliant answers. Thank you both. Um, how about you, Chris, uh, for your day to day kind of managing technical training? Is there anything that absolutely is rendered indispensable uh, for you that is underrated? That's the caveat of the question. That's a, that's a really good question. I, I think something which I, I was I was initially quite skeptical about. This is going to it's really boring. Is is a little tool called Monday.com. I I just thought what a what a waste of time, what a waste of energy. But you know what? I use it all the time now, and I think it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm its biggest advocate. I think I'm sure Bonnie Duray is listening intently to this bit. Yeah, Bonnie will be very happy with that response. I suspect. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it's brilliant. There you go. You, you heard it here. This is here forever, Rob. You know that <laughs> <laughs> this is this is recorded for prosperity. You can't go back on your word now. Monday.com. Other other platforms are available, by the way. We're not we're not sponsored by Monday.com. So, uh, advice time. What piece? What is one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out in your field, whether they're coming up through the various entry level programs at Framestore, or we have any external listeners? So, Harrison, somebody wants to work in. Uh, in the, the, the madcap world of CFX, what uh, was one piece of advice you'd give someone? Uh, I would say don't be afraid to screw up and don't be afraid to like ask if you don't know how to do something or something like that. There's things are never going to look good the first time uh, and things are still probably never going to look good the 10th time. Uh, it, it takes time to do all of this stuff and you're going to produce really, really crappy stuff along the way. We all do. People who have been here since the very beginning, their first versions are usually not very good. That's just, that's just the process. And so don't be afraid if you don't really, if you're not producing the best stuff right away, because it, it takes time. And particularly when you are starting out, I mean, even before you get employed by a studio and you get pulling your reel together, you know, it's all about doing the work. I think there's a big part about don't procrastinate, just do something, make something, create something. It's never going to be the finished article, but anything that shows potential, it doesn't have to have the perfect spit and polish on it, you know. Oh, so yeah, for that's sure. That's really good advice, Harrison. How about you, Camilla? Anybody wants to get into the world of technical animation? What's uh, what, what advice would you give? Yeah, I would say just try to focus on one thing. It's a very, I mean, as any of these departments, but uh, especially working with rigging and Unreal, it can be a bit overwhelming. 
because there is a lot of new things coming out every week almost and uh, if you just try to learn everything and try to execute everything at once it won't work you get frustrated so i would just say focus on one thing and then try to finish that and then you go move to another one yeah so uh, we call it single tasking don't we rather than multitasking and focus on the one the one thing and talking about kind of endless changes i mean i know you work with unreal engine camilla i mean crack it every five minutes seems to be a new a new version of unreal engine so uh yeah, I don't, I don't envy that task, but uh, I'm sure you're uh, constantly learning in, in your role, Camilla, not just on the shows, but keeping up with the technical developments as well. Yeah, which is what makes it very exciting, actually. You know, your career will always change and what I'm doing now in 10 years will be completely different. And I think that's exciting. I'll stick with you here, Camilla, for the next question, which is uh, what's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered? It, it goes in into what I was saying is about well, what is the future of this industry? How we see, where are we going to with this? Yeah, and I, I, I would say Unreal 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm super huge fan of Unreal. I think it, it's a platform that I know you have to have a really good machine to run it. So it's not so democratic, but it's, you know, if you're a student, if you're learning, if you're starting, it's a free tool that can give you a lot of uh, space to create and to share stories. I really think the future is with minority and not only the big brands producing content, having more people sharing their stories. I think that's what I, at least that's what I hope. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think we're almost, we're pretty much there, aren't we, in terms of the future when it comes to kind of content creators. I mean, I mean, the one thing I learned, even just with this podcast, I mean, there's so many people creating podcasts. It's not just big brands who do it. It's not just celebrities. It's not just comedians and actors and, you know, big names. It's, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's all to play for. And that's just on that side of things, let alone kind of visual content and visual effects and all of the... The, the free, I mean, Unreal is one example of, uh, you know, a, 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 a super amazing piece of software that's free to, uh, to download if you have the right tech to run it, of course. But uh, it is absolutely all to play for, isn't it? It's kind of exciting and terrifying at the same time because there's just so much yeah. content out there, isn't there? And so many creators. But that's it. I love that. And I'm sure we can elaborate on that. Um, Harrison, what's your take on that? What's the one question you wish I'd asked you? Uh, it's funny. It's actually very similar to Camilla's, uh, where it was, how do you keep up with changing technologies and stuff like that? Because like you said, there's changing constantly. And uh, the thing that I took away from that would be just regardless of what the technology is, the fundamentals of how you do this is obviously creature effects specific stuff, but how a tiger looks is how a tiger looks regardless of how, what technology or what software you're using to create it. So if you know your anatomy, if you know how things work, how things move, how clothing materials react, regardless of whether it's our proprietary software we have here at Framestore to do these things, or whether you went to a different studio that uses a completely different software. The idea and knowing how these things are supposed to look is much more important than what any of the actual technology is. No, I absolutely agree with that. I think that's a, I love hearing these stories as well around um, skill set and knowledge. You know, when we talk about visual effects artists to somebody coming into industry, 
a lot of people think you just have to understand technology and art. And actually, it's about geometry, isn't it? It's about maths. It's about all those STEM subjects. It's about biology and anatomy and understanding form. And it's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's such a broad melting pot of skills and experiences, which is why I love working in this industry. That's a great answer. Thank you, Harrison. So a couple of questions before we wrap up this episode. Our next question is, who would you like to hear on the podcast next and why? Who would you like us to uh, unleash the dailies on in Framestore? Uh, I'll start with Camilla. I didn't name someone specifically, but I would just say more women. <laughs> I just love seeing, like, hearing stories of women in this industry. Uh, I think VFX is a bit ahead of games industry in terms of, you know, the balance between uh, genders. But yeah, the more, the better, I think. Yeah, we've got a lot up our sleeves. So uh, yeah, your, your wish will be granted, Camilla, for sure. Particularly as we're approaching uh, International Women's Month as well, we'll definitely be le leveraging a lot of uh, female stories uh, within Framestore too. So uh, but that's a really, really great shout out. Thank you, Camilla. How about you, Harrison? Who would you like on the pod? I want to hear from somebody from editorial. It's a job role that is super, super important, but I have no contact with them. I have no idea what it is that they actually do from day to day. I just know that they manage a ton of really important stuff. So I'd love to hear from that. Brilliant. I love this. This is great. These are all, these are all being noted and uh, they're on the hit list. So uh, yeah, whole departments. I love it. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, how about you, Chris? Anybody you'd be keen to hear on the podcast out of interest? I'd, I'd love to hear from Michael Eames. I've always been a huge fan of animation, so I, I'd love to hear from Michael. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Also noted. So we're into our kind of uh, our fun question now. We've been talking about VFX for far too long, Harrison and Camilla, so we're going to get into the, uh, the question we ask everyone, our culinary question, which is, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I'm going to start with Harrison. Harrison, tell me. I would probably have to go with like some trashy comfort food or something like that, like fried chicken, something along those lines. That's my jam. Have you got your go-to spot in Montreal? I do. I don't want to cut, uh, start any, you know, wars or anything like that among the among the artists here in chicken Montreal. Wars. But yeah, the chicken wars, but uh, the chicken wars of twenty twenty three. But Dinette Triple Crown is a fantastic fried chicken place here. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, yeah, some people don't like to name their spots, so thank you for sharing that with your your your, your colleagues, Harrison, or the chicken lovers, anyway. I'll probably be hearing from from some people when this episode comes out. Excellent, excellent. A great, great choice. How about you, Camilla? What's your what would be your dish? Yeah, so I couldn't think about dish, dish, but the thing that I would eat for the rest of my life and I'll be happy with would be bread <laughs> and butter. <laughs> I just I could eat that every day and I'll I think I'll be happy with that. It doesn't need to be any fancy bread, just just a loaf of bread. Just any bread. Just yeah. sliced sliced wonder bread. Yeah. Brown or white? Wholemeal or No, white, I mean. Yeah. Just basic white wow. I was expecting some wonderful Brazilian dish, you know, some culinary wonder. But no, just a loaf of bread and some butter. Yeah. I did think about that, but Brazilian food is a bit heavy, so I don't think I could eat that every day, like a bit fried and oily. So yeah, bread would be fine. Well, uh, if, if you, and, you and Harrison ever bump into each other, Harrison, you bring the fried chicken, Camilla, you can bring the bread and butter and you've got a, a combo <laughs> dish right there. What about you, Chris? What could you live on for the rest of your life if you had to? 
pasta. Pasta. Pasta with anything. I love Italian food. Pasta. You don't get any. You don't get to have anything. You can't. You know that's too. That's too broad. Okay, I'll keep it really simple then. Pasta with some uh, some grated parmesan sprinkled in, and then some pepper on the top. Done. So before I let you go, and this is the question that I asked Sergio Gonzalez on episode one about the music he listens to, because we do have a Framestore podcast dailies playlist on Spotify. I need to rename that. That's a very mouth. That's a very wordy playlist title. And it turns out that not everybody necessarily listens to music while they work, but it'd be remiss of me not to ask you both uh, what you listen to while you work if you do. So uh, Camilla, do you listen to music while you're doing your deep work? Yeah, no, I listen to podcasts. And but but I listen to them in Portuguese because I feel if I listen podcasts in English, then I get confused. But if they are in another language, then I'm fine. Uh, so yeah, no no contribution for the list. No worries. Well, we'll get some podcast recommendations. Uh, obviously, the Frame Store podcast is a big one. But uh, yeah, again, uh, if you think of any tunes, by all means, I'm always looking for new additions to the playlist. What about you, Harrison? Do you listen to anything while you're working, or have I just got the whole of Frame Store wrong? <laughs> Oh, I listened. No, I listen to music constantly while I'm working. Um, I mean, my first and always love is going to be classic rock. So Beatles, Zeppelin, uh, Jimi Hendrix, stuff like that. That's what I'm listening to constantly. Although I will say recently, it's basically just been the Frozen soundtrack constantly, (laughs) always on in the background when my kid is home. (laughs) So... So I have I have basically memorized every single one of those songs and the Encanto soundtrack. <laughs> you don't need to put those on the Frame Store podcast or playlist, though. Well, Harrison, hit me up with uh, a couple of tracks. We'll get them on the uh, on the playlist. Uh, I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be g chatting you at some point in the near future for those. Will do. Brilliant. Well, thank you both so much for uh, engaging with this week's set of episodes. Um, We will be back on Thursday with uh, Chris, Camilla and Harrison, where Chris will lead proceedings and uh, take over uh, from the dailies into a deeper dive conversation. So uh, thank you, Camilla, Harrison and Chris. That was great. And we'll, we'll see you on Thursday. Well, there you have it. That was part one. Join us for part two of the Framestore podcast landing this Thursday, where Chris takes over proceedings as co-host and interviews Camilla and Harrison. See you then.